Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. When you show up as the engaged, loyal, perceptive, hardworking, connecting, trustworthy, honest, funny, uh, pleasant, inspired person, the doors are all open for you. That was a short preview with a handful of adjectives from the conversation I had with Seth Godin. Hello, I'm Edwin Frondoswin. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. This is episode number 50, a milestone episode. And being a milestone, I thought I'd take the opportunity to add fresh new intro music by one of Toronto's top DJs, 2003 DMC World Champion, DJ Dopey. Today, I'm super happy to share the conversation I had with Seth Godin, an author of 18 books that have been bestsellers around the world. He's also the founder of the Alt-MBA and the Marketing Seminar. You might be familiar with his books, Lynchpin, Tribes, The Dip, and Purple Cow. In addition to his writing and speaking, Seth has founded several companies including Yo-Yo Dine and Squiddo. In our conversation, we talk about the differences between managers and leaders, why mentorship can't scale, and just being bold. Our sponsors today are Pungo Payments, a business payment solution that enables organizations to instantly send disbursements and electronic transfers at a fraction of the cost of checks and bank transfers. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash Pungo to learn more. Also, Bizon, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchises. Here we go. Hey, Seth. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So, Seth, if you can, please introduce yourself to, to the business leaders who are listening today. Perhaps if you could tell us a bit, a bit about yourself, who you are, and what you like to do when you're not and you're not growing companies or, or writing and, and inspiring the next generation of business leaders. Well, let's see. I've been doing this for a long time. I started as a brand manager at 84, uh, went to Stanford Business School, started a book packaging company in 86, did 120 books with every major book publisher. And then I started one of the first internet companies in the world uh, in the early 90s before the World Wide Web, uh, helped invent uh email marketing as we know it today. If you've ever gotten an email from a company, it's because of the work we did at Yo-Yo Dine. Uh, sold that company to Yahoo in 98, and I've been on my own ever since as an author and a teacher. I try to make a ruckus. I currently run the Alt-MBA, uh, which is a super effective 30-day intensive workshop that takes place in 600 cities around the world virtually. And um, my mission is to help people see the world around them, to make better decisions, to treat other people with respect, and to do work they're proud of. So why don't we just jump in there where you left off? I mean, let's learn more about your current role there, or your current company, Alt-MBA, and perhaps, I know, I know you just mentioned your mission, but what are you trying to accomplish with that program, and how are you looking to scale it as well? We're in this really crazy time. Uh, everyone's filled with sadness and bad news about the state of everything, but at the same time, we are connected, each of us, to more than 2 billion people around the planet. Uh, 
we have access to more technology and more leverage than ever before. So whether you have a job or run something, whether you're a nonprofit or part of a bigger system, everyone has more capacity and capability than ever. And so the challenge is to help people realize that what's holding them back the most is themselves, the story we tell ourselves, the way we see the world. And I have built several online courses that have followed from some of my books, but I realized that online courses have a problem, which is they make it easy to hide, that uh, the typical online course has a 90% dropout rate, 95% dropout rate, which is insane. Wow. Uh, um, and I set out to build something that wasn't like that. No videos, uh, a dropout rate of 1% or 2%, not 95%. Uh, live coaches, group work, and true transformation. And so it's small groups. It's not 100,000 people at a time. It's 125 people at a time. And we get people from huge ranges of backgrounds and age. Last session, we had a 90-year-old from the Isle of Man. Wow. And we've had 20-year-olds participate. We've had people from uh, Microsoft and Amazon and Chobani Yogurt. But we've also had people from Kiva and Room to Read and Charity Water, plus hundreds of little companies you've never heard of. And what we have found is that when you put people into a cohort and give them challenging group work and tons of resources and hold them accountable and create a loop where people give feedback and get feedback and give feedback and get feedback, it transforms people. And that transformation is priceless. And that's what I signed up to do when I started doing my work 30 years ago. And this is the most effective thing I've ever built. Wow. So in effect, it sounds like it's been a journey for you to really develop a program that that not only lowers the drop dropout rates of online community, but really transforming people. Like, wh When did that aha moment come to you when you're developing this, this current program that you have? So the idea, you know, as I don't do any advising, consulting, or coaching, but I show up in people's offices for free all the time doing their work and not work I care about. Hmm. And you can tell when you're in someone's space if it's working. You can see their, their posture change. You can see their eyes light up. That's the hook for everybody. I mean, I grew up in Algonquin Park about 100 miles from where you are right now. Yes. And I was a canoeing instructor. And so I, from the age of 17, I saw what was possible if you could change someone's posture. So that's what I was trying to do. And building the Alt-MBA, uh, it was three months of sitting by myself, just inventing things and going as far on a limb as I could. I had no idea if it was going to work because if you don't do the whole thing, you can't tell. I just had to put all the pieces together and it's, you know, we stitched together lots of different software and people and processes and 75 uh, online resources and tons of stuff and then we took a deep breath and we launched it. And that first session, I was in it, you know, five hours a day watching people, interacting with people. Now I'm not in it at all because I don't need to be because we discovered that, you know, we got 85% of it right. We keep replacing the parts that don't work as well as they should. But now that we've got 40 coaches around the world and 1,800 alumni, we're seeing the long-term impact that these 30 days have on people. And... Um, it's insanely gratifying because it's 
the first work I've done in a long time where I'm not doing it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like the sessions run, the coaches work, the students engage, and I don't have to be there in real time. So I set my ego aside and I say, this is a process. It's an institution now. And uh, watching that work without me being a hero is really special. I'm really interested in this online. I'm interested in education and, and how things are changing. I mean, the traditional way for business leaders is to take an MBA, you know, spend tens of thousands to, to do this. Do you see this sort of maybe not a tipping point, but, but really a start of where things are going for professional um, development? Yeah, you know, we call it the Alt-MBA, which is URL that was handy. Uh, a typical MBA at a top school costs a quarter of a million dollars if you count opportunity cost as well. And most people who do it just take a deep breath and pay the quarter of a million dollars mm-hmm. because they believe that a certificate gets them in a special door. And there are a couple special doors left. If you want to work at Bain or Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley or McKinsey, you got to get an MBA mm-hmm. from a famous uh, business school. But for everybody else, what we have found again and again is knowing the Black-Scholes option pricing model is not the way to succeed. That the way to succeed is by developing these things people call soft skills, which is a terrible term. <laughs> that when you show up as the engaged, loyal, perceptive, hardworking, connecting, trustworthy, honest, funny, uh, pleasant, inspired person, the doors are all open for you. And the magic of this, as Zig- Ziegler pointed out, is these are all learnable skills. And no one's teaching them. We're teaching textbooks instead. And that doesn't make any sense to me. So part of the theory of the Alt-MBA is I don't care if people copy what I'm doing. I hope they copy what I'm doing. We're not trying to corner the market. We're trying to inspire the market. And the more people who figure out that they can use this new connection economy to make change happen, the happier I am. Mm, that's great. That's that's awesome. I, I, from the bottom of my heart. So I'm really excited to see how this grows. I mean, I'm I'm a new father, so it's so, you know me thinking about. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> thank you. So I think about you know how's my daughter's what what in 20 years what's my daughter going to be taking? Is there even this school system? And, and I know you talked about this before how things change should, should change. So it, it's really interesting. It's really exciting times for us, especially you know being very connected. But I, I want to change gears, Seth, and I really. I mean, for the podcast, it's really understanding where you came from and how you go. And, and as you mentioned, you've done everything. You're a successful entrepreneur. You're a best-selling author. You're an educator now. So I'd love to ask you if you could share maybe some key turning points and really specifically difficult decisions that, that perhaps you struggled with that allowed you to grow as, as a business leader you are today. Well, the thing that I treasure that I wouldn't trade for anything are all the times that I failed. Mm -hmm. I certainly failed more times than most people. And that's my biggest advantage. Uh, So when I was at Spinnaker in Boston in 83 and 84, launching that brand of science fiction adventure games, I did things like order 10,000 tiny little Velcro dots to hold the packaging closed without realizing that the tiny little Velcro dots wouldn't stick to the packaging. And that we discovered that a week before we had a ship a million dollars worth of inventory to target. You know, you learn stuff from that. You learn 
what happens if you go give a talk and no one gets the joke, thinks it's funny or is inspired. Mm -hmm. You learn from seven or eight years of being near bankruptcy, trying to build uh, the book business that I built. And, you know, when we, our biggest client, AOL, uh, was on a tear growing faster than any other company, we screwed up one of the products we offered them and then we screwed it up again a week later. And you learn from that and you learn what's fatal and you learn what's not. Uh, I've given more than a thousand talks from the stage. That process of, you know, I'm the only person who's seen all thousand of them. Mm -hmm. And that process of being present and understanding when you stand this way or tell that story or show this slide, these things happen. It's not a bad thing when something doesn't work. It's just a thing. And when that happens, you say to yourself, is it okay? Do I need to avoid that next time? What's the cost of getting that, of exposing oneself to that risk? And so the biggest thing I've learned, I think, is that it's all going to work out if you don't freak out about it. It'll work out if you're careful, paying attention to what other people need from you, if you're open to acknowledging when you make a mistake and then learning from it and cycling again. But what a lot of people learn from experiences like this is the stove is hot, don't put your hand near the stove. And if that's what you learn, you're in big trouble because then you're never going to go cook anything. No, that's great insight. And I love the fact that, and it's it's really hitting home for me in terms of I've when, when you said, you know, I've done a thousand talks, but I'm the only one who saw seen all of them. And that's really important to, to continue because the next person that sees the same talk and as long as you had that feedback, I assume you improve incrementally. And, and, and thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, well, it's a privilege. You know, it, it truly is. I, people don't believe me, but when I was 17, this is what I wanted to do for a living. And I can't believe I get to do it. And I can't believe that people are willing to share their trust with me, invite me in, whether it's digitally or in person, to engage with them and turn on some lights. Because anytime, this is really important, anytime you are doing work that hasn't been done before, and that's most of us when we're doing our best work, you are incompetent, you don't know for sure it's going to work, and you are taking what feels like a significant risk because you are making stuff up like here you are doing a podcast with me and you've done a bunch of other podcasts, some really good ones, but you've never done a podcast with me before. That's right. And that's risky because there isn't a spec, there isn't a manual, and the whole thing might fail. And I've never done a podcast with you. Same deal. But we only have two choices in the face of that. We can do what most people do, which is not make a podcast, or we can do what you're doing, which is show up, figure it out. I just want to move on and it's things that I talk about a lot. Uh, I know I've read a lot about this and the differences between leadership and management. And there was something that I've read um, when you mentioned, le basically you mentioned leadership is not management. So I really want to dig in and, and what's the difference? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, when some, you know, there are some managers that are, are, are really good leaders as well. So, so what do you think about that? Yeah, there are also managers who are good at bridge and canoeing, but that doesn't mean that they're related. Right. Right? So um, 
I'll start with an example and then I'll break it into pieces. Tim Cook at Apple is one of the great managers of all time. He has created a corporation that's more valuable than any other uh, and insanely profitable. Tim Cook is a terrible leader. And the evidence of this is that in the last five years, Apple has not produced one, not one, innovative product that we would miss if it was gone. Think about that. From the company that invented the modern world as we know it, for five, maybe ten years, not one product. That's a failure of leadership, but the management is amazing. So what's management? Management is getting people to do what they did yesterday, but faster and cheaper. Management is meeting spec. Management is laying out a specific plan and then using your authority and your leverage to get your team to do what they're supposed to do. Management makes buses run on time. Leadership, on the other hand, is the act of doing something you don't know how to do and getting people to follow you as you figure it out as a team. So leadership has to be consensual. You can't force people to follow a leader. They can pretend and you can manage them to do so, but they're not actually following a leader. And what we get from leaders are innovations. What we get from leaders are inspirations. Leaders are people, you know, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. didn't have any employees, but he changed the culture of the United States because he got cooperation and participation and enrollment from the people who followed him. He didn't say, here are the 18 steps to get us from where we are to where we want to go. Mm-hmm. He said, let's figure this out together. I'm not even sure what the method is, but I will inspire you to work with me to figure it out. And what we are evolving toward, thanks to computers and spreadsheets and connection, is ever more powerful management. If you think about how management works today compared to the days of Henry Ford, there's no comparison. If you work on the assembly line at Volvo, they know to the nanosecond how productive you were today. But... A hundred years ago, they were just making stuff up. So management's easier than ever. And so there's a lot of people who are managing the hell out of systems and making a profit doing so. It's made our world safer and cleaner and more reliable. You know, the chances of you dying in a plane crash are vanishingly close to zero. That's because the airline business is filled with managers. I'm glad there are managers. But leadership is what gets us jet blue, right? Leadership is what gets us and innovation that other people will end up copying, that's different than management. Pretty amazing stuff, right? I don't know about you, but I actually have to stop and re-listen to some of the things that Seth has been saying already. If you are enjoying this podcast episode, please sign up to our monthly newsletter where we share our latest interviews, events, special promotions from guests, and Exclusively, we'll let you know who is lined up in the next coming weeks. It's free. We won't spam you. I promise. Please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash newsletter. Let's get back at it. So I wonder, and I'm really curious, and you did have some great, uh, you mentioned some great um, brands out there, but can you share some, maybe some great examples of leadership that you're seeing today? Well, most of the leadership that matters is invisible. That by the time somebody's on the nightly news, we're seeing the repercussions of leadership that she did a while ago. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the other thing about leadership is it tends to come from the bottom, not the top. So we don't know off the top of our head who started the Me Too movement or who the key voices behind Black Lives Matter are. We don't even know uh, particularly where the innovations in technology, whether they're hashtags or emojis. Who, who, who led that? Where did it come from? Uh, the stuff that gets on TV is more about hype and publicity than actual leadership. So this is good news for the people who are listening to this because what I'm saying to you is not go find a leader and copy them. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is find something you care about and lead us because the shortage we have is not a management shortage. We have a leadership shortage. Does that change in terms of how leaders are, are getting started or, or are we getting more you know, aware of this? I mean, really, are there opportunities, like how have the opportunities for leadership changed over the last 25 years and do you think it will evolve differently in the future? Well, it's changed enormously and the reason it's changed enormously is because we're connected to 2 billion people. Mm -hmm. So you don't need a building and you don't need a squadron all you need is a keyboard. And if you are persistent and perceptive and generous, you can find 10 people who want to follow you. And if you find 10 people who want to follow you and you bring them a vivid idea, they'll tell 10 more people, so now you've got 100. And then it cycles and it cycles and it cycles. So this idea that leaders don't need authority is more powerful now than ever before. So... Through the podcast, Seth, I, I really get an opportunity to to learn from amazing business leaders from, from all aspects of different industries, different verticals, many of which have talked about having some type of mentor in their life or maybe perhaps joining a peer group that could, you know, they could rely on to bounce ideas off. But when I did ask you before we met, who are your mentors? I mean, I was really actually surprised by your answer. You said that mentors are are really overrated because they don't scale. So... I'd love you to dig deeper into that one. You know, the idea of a lifeguard on the dock is that just in case, if you were drowning, you'd get rescued. Mm -hmm. But no one looks at lifeguards and says, would you spend the next four hours teaching me how to swim? Because if the lifeguard is teaching you how to swim for four hours, she's not doing her real job, which is lifeguarding everybody. And as somebody who gets an enormous amount of unsolicited inbound email, much of it is something to the effect of vaguely personal opening, followed by, <laughs> I need a mentor, will you be mine? And it's an invitation to an open-ended, unsatisfiable offer, which is, will you take care of me? Will you inspire me? Will you answer all my questions? Will you help me out of a jam? Will you challenge me and keep doing it until I say we're done. And I understand why that's seductive. It's a lot like being a three-year-old. Three-year-olds really need good parents. But we're not three years old anymore. And the reason it doesn't scale is the mentor is living her own life. The, le the mentor has 50 people, who, 100 people, 5,000 people who want this care that we've aspire, aspire to have in a mentor. And if you can get a mentor, by all means, go for it. Grab it with both hands and hold on because <laughs> it's magical. But the math doesn't work. The math of people who are suitable to be your mentor versus how many people want to be mentored 
doesn't work. The good news is you can have a hero instead. And a hero doesn't even need to know you exist. You can say to yourself, if you're, I don't know, in the military, what would Douglas MacArthur do in this situation? Right? Mm-hmm. What would, who would Admiral Rickenbacker do in this situation? You can, if you're a, uh, an entrepreneur trying to corner the market in something, you can say, uh, Bill Gates, 1992, what would he do right here, right now? And we know enough about the history of what people have accomplished that you can be your own mentor in your head by using these heroes to show you a path, to give you a compass. Maps and compasses are different things. The map keeps changing. The territory is always different. But the compass, the true north, that is available to anybody. All you need is a hero. And I've been lucky. I've had a few mentors in my time, but I've never counted on that. But the heroes, the heroes are priceless. Please don't take away my heroes because they give me a compass. That's really significant, and it really irons out in terms of differences between mentors and leaders, and and really heroes. So, Seth, who are your heroes, or who are these inspirational leaders that that perhaps you've never met, and, and you really learned from in the past? Well, too many to mention without leaving some people out. But here, let me try a few. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I have to begin with my late mom and my late dad, um, who taught me so much about community and participation and possibility and the idea of um, showing up to contribute. Uh, Pema Chodron, who lives in Nova Scotia, is a Buddhist uh, nun, and she has made some magical audio books. I was so privileged to write the foreword for her most recent book, um, has taught me an enormous amount about mindfulness, about um, being where you are. Also, Susan Piver, who runs an online uh, meditation school in Boston, P-I-V-E-R. Uh, Zig Ziglar, who I grew up listening to for hours and hours <laughs> and hours, first about selling, but mostly about motivation, about goal setting, about being part of a community. Um, there are people like Steve Pressfield, who I am lucky enough to have published. Uh, Steve wrote a book called The War of Art. There's Roz Zander and Ben Zander who together wrote a book called The Art of Possibility that I listen to regularly. Um, there are people uh, who have talents that I will never have, like Patti Smith, uh, who did uh, the best audio book I've ever listened to and was a musician, is a musician. Uh, people like the choices that Bob Dylan has made through the years to choose to give up mass in exchange for satisfying his muse to make music he cares about instead of cashing out. Um, And uh, people like the Reverend King, people who have come from backgrounds that aren't like mine, uh, the Mahatma, uh, who came, you know, yeah, he went to law school, but in South Africa, he was an outsider. In India, he was an outsider watching what one person can do because they care. I mean, I've got dozens of these kinds of people in mind. And depending on the situation, I say to myself, wow, you were really lucky to get to this crossroads. What would that person you admire do? And I think hard about it and, you know, consult them virtually without actually knowing them. I mean, I'm lucky that I do know many of these people, but that's just a coincidence of what I get to do for a living. No, great. And for for those who are listening, 
for us to get in touch with these heroes and leaders in terms of suggesting, do, where do we start? Do we start like reading their biographies or reading the work they did? I mean, I mean, we're such in a massive, you know, there's so much information available to us today, but like, where would someone start you know, just even choosing that hero? Well, you know, let's begin by getting enrollment. If you are committed to growing, if you are committed to making a change in the world, I would suggest turning off YouTube, turning off Facebook, turning off the television. Now you have three hours a day free, maybe five. In those five hours, instead, what you get to do is listen to inspiring podcasts and read and listen to audiobooks. And as you're doing it, you're saying to yourself, not, what's a tactic I can steal from this person? Because the fact is the tactics that work for the Reverend King probably aren't going to work for you. It's, what's this person's compass like? This compass, when did it let them down and when did it serve them? Right. So down the street from me uh, is the house of Madam C.J. Walker, one of the first self-made black millionaires in the United States. And um, every time I pass by her house, I say, wow, her parents either were slaves or close to being slaves, and she grew up with no shortcuts to have a house like this one. How'd that happen? What were her choices? And you can see them not just in, you know, people who've been dead for 100 years, but you can see them in your neighbor down the street. You know, who would miss you if you were gone? What about those other people who would truly be missed if they were gone? How are they different than you? It's not their genes. It's not luck. It's their compass. And so if you're on the lookout for compasses, you'll find them. Really, really enjoying our time today, Seth. I'm just trying to, you know, get towards the end, but I really want to ch share a true story. Um, it's actually a good friend of mine. He's my running buddy. We train for the Chicago Marathon together. We, 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 we talk about personal growth all the time on these runs. And he actually gave me a copy of one of your recent books, What to Do When It's Your Turn. And it's always your turn. And he told me it was actually an extra copy that he received when he first purchased it. And I'll just give him a shout out, Dave, because he's really, you know, he really is a fanboy of you, Seth. And I told him he should just sign up to your, your alt MBA. Um, so hopefully this will push him to do it. But it was, I found it really interesting because not only did the book open my eyes to many things, it actually led me to eventually launching this podcast. So. I really wonder, and it was an interesting story about the book, the extra book that was given, that that do you have any more stories like that? And, and what did you learn from that process? You know, people in the publishing world have watched me do experiments for 20 years. Uh, I love book publishing. I love books. But it's a 500-year-old industry, and it's in transition. And so when I put the book Purple Cow in a milk carton, uh, it made it a bestseller. And when I put the book Free Price Inside in a cereal box, it was a total failure. And when I gave away the first four chapters of Permission Marketing for free, mm -hmm. it was a giant sensation that made a huge difference. So sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. Uh, in the case of Your Turn, which you can find at yourturn.link, I knew I wanted to publish it myself because it's a format that bookstores wouldn't like. And if I was going to publish it myself, I needed help. And the help I would need is readers sharing it. So what I decided to do is, you cannot buy one copy from me. 
if you if you pay for one, I will send you two. If you pay for three, I will send you five. If you, it goes all the way up to if you pay for ninety, I will send you one hundred twenty or something like that. And the end result is a few people who really like the book buy dozens at a time and give them out. Because what are you going to do with an extra book? You got to give them away. So that makes my readers into my bookstore, basically. The readers are the lever that spread the book. And we have 150,000 copies in print, the major bestseller, even though it's not available in any store, and I published it myself. That's because the system of how ideas spread keeps changing. All Facebook is, is a system for spreading ideas. That's it. All Google is, is a system for finding ideas. That That's the world we live in now. And the idea that a book has to be frozen in a certain system makes no sense. And we've already seen that half of all the books sold now are on the Kindle or close. And that's because Jeff Bezos didn't write a book. He just figured out a new system for spreading ideas. And, you know, and that book was really great. And just so you know, Seth, I also, because it was given to me and it made an impact, I think I gave it to the next person who was questioning or maybe hit a crossroads in, in, in their career or in their life. I says, you know what? You should read this. It's a quick read. It's, it's great. So thank you for writing that. And, and thank you for that distribution process that you did as well. I, I thought it was really innovative. Well, thanks. And I try to share them. You know, every time I do this, I tell people exactly how I'm doing it. Uh, I, often do that on the Domino Project blog, which you can find uh, at uh, Googling Domino Project. Uh, the next book we're doing, I did not write, and I'm doing it for free. I published uh, a new book by a woman named Kat Hoke, H-O-K-E, and it's very important. Uh, we donated 20,000 copies to her cause, and it comes out uh, at the end of February. And it's about prison reform, but mostly it's about forgiveness about giving yourself and other people a second chance. And that's what it's called, a second chance. And on the blog, I explained exactly how we're doing it. And if someone wants to copy the idea, I hope they will. Oh, that's awesome. That's really exciting. And I'll be sure to to put all the links that you're mentioning and all the resources uh, within the episode uh, webpage as well. But uh, do you have any, I know this is a new project that's just re getting released, but do you have any other projects, initiatives, or anything fun thing that you're looking uh, towards or really excited about now, Seth? You know, the, the decision I made for 2018 is we're in the institution building mode. So um, we're building the Alt-MBA to the next level, the marketing seminar, but I can't help but do new projects. So on February 14th, my podcast comes out. Oh, exciting. Which is a big leap for me. It's called the Kimbo, A-K-I-M-B-O. You're welcome. I'm glad I told you. <laughs> um, so it's called the Kimbo, and it's not like any other podcast. And maybe people will listen. We'll see. That's great. So before we end, Seth, if you could share some final thoughts, observations, or, or ideally some type of actionable recommendations that you can share with emerging business leaders who are, who are listening today. Okay, so I think your problem isn't that you need more time. It's that you need to decide. I think that getting smarter is a good thing, but being bolder is an even better thing. And being bolder only works if you're also more generous and more sensitive and more open to what people actually need. And if there was one practical thing I would have you do, it's start blogging every day. It doesn't matter whether you do it under your own name or not. But if you can blog every day for 30 days, I think you will discover that your brain starts to work differently. That's great. 
Thank you again for your time, Seth. Um, to close, I know we're going to mention it. Please tell us where we can find more information about you or perhaps even your daily blog, AltMBA, or anything else you'd want to share. Okay, so AltMBA is at altmba.com. You can find my blog by typing Seth into your favorite search engine. You can subscribe for free. The new blog, the new podcast is called Akimbo, and Cat Hoke's new book is called A Second Chance, and it's only sold on Amazon. Well, great. Seth, again, thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Keep doing this work. It matters a lot. That's it, folks. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. Hope you enjoyed our milestone episode number 50 with Seth Godin. I surely didn't. Can't lie to you. I must have listened to the episode at least half a dozen times before it aired. If you want to learn more about Seth, Alt-MBA, or any of the resources he shares, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 050. This episode was brought to you by Pungo Payments, a business payment solution that enables organizations to instantly send disbursements and electronic transfers at a fraction of the cost of traditional methods like checks and bank transfers. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash pungle to learn more. Also, again, big shout out to the supporting sponsor, BizOn, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchises. Lastly, if you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you again, and Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Okay.